Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Confessions of a Crappy Christian podcast. I'm your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake Guichet, and I'm so pumped to be bringing you season two of this show, packed full of more people telling incredible stories of who God is and what he's done. Okay, real quick, don't skip over this. I need to tell you about something super exciting. The Crappy Christian Podcast finally has merch. I am going to absolutely toot my own horn and tell you that it is stocked full of really great and really fun designs. T-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, hats. You are going to love them. So jump over to crappychristianpodcast.com slash shop to check it out. All right, y'all. Today's episode is with Michelle Cushat. Michelle is an international speaker, three-time cancer survivor, and parent of children from hard places. She is a reluctant expert on trauma, pain, and the need for authentic connection. And today we have a really incredible conversation about doubt and curiosity and that feeling when you feel like God has gone silent. And Michelle has so much incredible wisdom that she speaks into that space. Michelle, hey, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, Blake, thanks for inviting me. I've been really looking forward to this. I'm so excited. So to get us started, it's always nice to kind of know who's who's talking to you. So I want to give you the opportunity to tell us about yourself and your life. All right. About myself and my life, I'll give you the very condensed Cliff Notes version. Uh, I am a wife, a mom of six kids, ages 27, 26, 22, 13, 12, 12. And everybody needs to take a moment just to rest. After <laughs> Absorb <a> that. <laughs> okay. uh, I have four boys, two girls that live in Denver, Colorado. I'm an outdoorsy girl at heart. So uh, my perfect day would be hiking in the mountains and listening to a book on Audible with my black lab puppy who is almost a year old and I mean that's just like the perfect day. Uh, professionally I make a living as an author, a speaker uh, and really what I do most right now is I'm a communications coach so I help people develop messages, learn how to do public speaking, learn how to present their messages and I do a lot of executive coaching as well for CEOs, leaders, entrepreneurs, business owners, you name it. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. That's the easy part. We'll just say yeah. that. That's the nice, right. easy. <laughs> That's the pretty the easy packaged part. part. Right, exactly. So you have a devotional style book titled Relentless, which walks readers through 12 key biblical stories that demonstrate God's unfailing presence and invites the reader to identify the ways these stories play into our own lives. Um, yeah. So tell us about the book and why you wrote it. All right. Well, you know, authors often write from the place of their pain, and this book is right. no exception. So I wrote this book after uh, the most difficult season of my life. And it wasn't just a couple months, but really it was multiple crises and traumas over the course of a couple decades, but really culminating mm -hmm. in uh, uh, basically I uh, was diagnosed with cancer three different times over the span mm -hmm. of about four years. It was cancer of the tongue, and as a woman who makes my living as a communicator mm. and a coach for communicators, it wasn't ideal. <laughs> yeah. And as a result of those multiple 
multiple diagnoses, but the last one, it was so advanced, it was so serious that it required a nine-hour surgery that cut out two-thirds of my tongue, mm. followed by after removing my tongue. By the way, um, a tongue is a valuable part of your body. In case mm-hmm. you didn't realize, it's kind of important. And so uh, losing two-thirds of it was quite a big deal, but then following that, they put me in uh, a, just a very intense regimen of radiation and chemotherapy. And when you start shooting radiation at the face and the neck, mm. It is uh, extremely damaging and painful. So mm-hmm. long story short, losing my tongue and the treatment that followed, literally by the time all was said and done, I had scars over much of my body. Uh, I had feeding tube for six months, a tracheostomy for almost two. Uh, I could not eat or drink or swallow or speak and had to learn to do all of those things over again. In the months following the physical trauma, the almost dying and yet living, once I started to heal from the physical pain and trauma, uh, then I started to wrestle with the spiritual and emotional fallout of that. I have loved Jesus my whole life. I've always believed him. I have gone to church. I've done all the good girl things. I've read my Bible. I've prayed. And then all of a sudden, uh, I have back-to-back diagnoses in spite of thousands of people praying for my healing Mm. and all my prayers for healing, God seemed to turn silent. And what am I supposed to do with my faith then? What do I do with a God who doesn't always take the pain away and doesn't always heal, who offers one person a miracle but doesn't offer the same miracle to me? What do you do then? And so this book, Relentless, is about me trying to wrestle with, do I believe that God is real? Do I believe he's good and can I trust him? Wow. And I mean, essentially having to be relentless in that pursuit of, is he real? Do I believe yeah. he is good? To play on words, right? So the idea of our circumstances at times and what I've experienced over the last 20 years is relentless negative circumstances. I have experienced mm-hmm. You'll discover it when you read it. One crisis after another, after another, and it keeps getting worse, right? Just about the time I think it couldn't get any worse than this, something else happens, and then the other shoe drops, and then one more. Uh, And so this relentless nature of our human circumstances that we can try so hard to have a good life and have everything still go incredibly wrong. So you have that part of relentless. And then I, what I wanted to see is, is, um, is there someone, is there a God who is even more relentless than our relentless circumstances? Hmm. That's a word. Because ultimately, right? Right. Life is going to kick our butts. Uh, right. Am I allowed to say butt on your podcast? I sense it's called uh, literally the title of it's Krabby Christian. You're fine. <laughs> um, life is kicking my butt big time. Okay. And it's mm-hmm. done it over and over again for 20 years. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, as a result of my uh, physical trauma, I obviously have a speech disability. I have functional disabilities. Eating, drinking, swallowing is an ongoing, difficult, and painful exercise. Uh, and so I have this ongoing physical challenge but um 
but our circumstances are so relentless and it's we keep thinking if i could just get around the next bend everything's going to be okay mm-hmm. that's not how life really works I, I would maybe there are a few people out there that have that kind of life that they have one hard thing and then it's easy smooth sailing from then on but most of the people i meet are dealing with one hard thing after another and the truth is is i need a, if i'm going to believe in god i need a god big enough and stubborn enough and strong enough and determined enough to be even more steadfast in my worst circumstances. Amen. Amen. And I get I get messages fairly often from people who are in those relentless circumstances, right? They just feel like they just keep getting pounded and on top of that feel like they did all of the things. They prayed all of the prayers. They believed so much and ultimately didn't get the answers. Mm-hmm. that they wanted and that's i mean that's hard i don't think that anyone would discount that like that's freaking hard <laughs> and your faith can take a hit from that and that's why i love that this book is out there as kind of this manual for building an arsenal of evidence that god is yeah. good and that he loves us and that he, he is present I loved how you just said that, a a manual. And it's a manual not because I have all the answers, but I know what it's like to feel completely lost in the dark and and have to scrape my way forward. And God has been so faithful to help me one step at a time to rebuild the faith that was destroyed. I mean, my faith Mm -hmm. was wrecked. Uh, and and I wanted this book to be uh, not a, oh, if you would just believe more, everything will be fine. That's just bull. Uh, mm. You know, it always worked that way. I wanted this book to be the kind of book where I'm shoulder to shoulder with you. I know what it's like to feel like you're in the gutter of life, that you just have nothing left. You have no ability to even reach for God. Mm. And what I discovered in that place is when you have no ability to reach for him, he races for you anyway. Mm. Yes. And so is that that is kind of the the premise of the book, right? Is is building up evidence that yes. God is good even when it doesn't yes. feel like it or look like it. I feel like it. And you know, for a long time I have based my sense or belief in God's presence based on how I felt in the moment. I equated the presence of my pain with the absence of God, okay? Mm. I assumed that if I'm in pain, if I have questions, if I have doubt, then God must not be real or he must not be here. I must have made him mad somewhere along the way and he has abandoned me. I'm on my own. Uh, But what I've discovered over the last several years of really digging into the facts of the gospel is that I had a twisted theology. Mm. I was believing in that place that if I worked hard enough and if I was good enough, I could manipulate God to give me a good life. Mm. And then if I didn't get the good life, if I was in pain, then I either must have been bad or God isn't all he was cracked up to be. Yeah. Right. And that's not, that's just not the case. And and the thing is, is that Gospel, scripture, right? ne- scripture never says that ever. Exactly. <laughs> this is the opposite. It says the opposite. And that's why I had to build an arsenal of evidence on the facts, not just my emotion of the pain and the suffering. Right. I had to dig into that. And that was one of the, this is why doubt. Okay. I'm going to go on a tangent for just a moment. Yes, please. We, we <laughs> you don't mind a few tangents here and there. No, we, I love as them. A, 
we as experts as a whole have done a terrible job of making space for people to have questions and doubt. We take somebody who has questions and then we shame them for it. Mm-hmm. And shame does nothing to help a person who's questioning find truth. No. Okay. All shame does, does is throw a blanket on any glimmer of light that's left and, and snuff it out. Mm. The thing is, is doubt can be one of the best gifts that we have. When we have questions and doubt, I'm not saying we need to set up home in doubt and just get comfortable there. But when we have questions, God give us a brain to think. Mm-hmm. If we allowed ourselves to have questions and doubt and then allowed ourselves to think through it, to use the brains that God has given us, to dig into scripture, to look for facts, to test our, the theology we've hung on to, to see if it's accurate or not, what happens is doubt, the questions that we have, the doubt we have, the thing that we thought would destroy our faith actually becomes the means to building it up. Mm. I literally, before this interview, had coffee with a girlfriend that has kind of just started really digging in on her faith in the last year or so. She has a lot of questions. Uh, She grew up with some warped theology, so there's a lot that she's really trying to figure out. And I was watching her beat herself up for having questions. I was like, hold Mm -hmm. on. Okay, wait. We got to just, like, we got to get this out of the way first. The questions that you're asking, some of them I don't have the answer to. And that's not to say that I have the answer to every question, but some of them, like, I'm right next to you going, yeah, why is that a thing? That's weird. Like, (laughs) there is, we have got, exactly what you're saying, we have got to make more space for people to have these questions because when we're, when we as the church are high and mighty and shameful about that doubt, all we do is push people further away. Exactly. Exactly. And rob them of the opportunity to find the answers. Exactly. You know, there's when we want to build muscles, and I haven't wanted to build muscles in a long time. <laughs> Theoretically, if I wanted to build muscles, uh, what I would do is I'd go to the gym and I'd, I'd subject my body to resistance, to tension, right? right? Yes. Lifting weights is all about pushing your body against resistance and tension. We get that when it comes to exercise. Uh, academics, if I wanted to um, to enhance my intelligence, if I wanted to get a higher education and get a master's degree, a PhD, I would push myself against the limit of my knowledge. It would be an exercise, an intellectual exercise to study and read and learn and absorb and process us. And the resistance of that would actually grow the strength of my intellect. Mm-hmm. The same is true spiritually. The resistance that we face, the challenges we face, the questions that we have, when we push against them, when we continue to say, I will not let you go, God, I'm going to keep searching after you, even though I don't understand you, it builds up my our spiritual muscles. Mm-hmm. And when we refuse to let people have questions or doubts. We are stifling their spiritual development. Yes. This week's episode is brought to you by Zondervan's newest edition of the NIV Beautiful Word Bible, which offers a one-of-a-kind visual treatment of scripture for an even more beautiful quiet time. This updated Bible is also easier to read thanks to Zondervan's exclusive NIV Comfort Print designed specifically to create a smoother reading experience. And the great thing is, 
Now, through December 31st, listeners can save an additional 10% off of the Beautiful Word Bible by visiting faithgateway.com beautiful and using the promo code crappychristian at checkout. I was afraid, it was so interesting, there was a time that I thought if I followed the trail of breadcrumbs of my doubt, right, my doubt, I kind of viewed it like this trail of breadcrumbs. If I followed my doubt, I would end up in a place where there was no God. Mm. That's how I, I was afraid so it was of fear. My, you were like fear mongered out of having questions. Yeah, because I'm like, well, I don't want to, first of all, I don't want to end up in a place where I don't believe anymore. But at the same mm-hmm. time, if God proves to be real and I have these doubts, he's probably going to kick me out. And so it's right. like a no situation. And then all of a sudden, it's like God said, um, I'm not afraid. In other words, God's like, I'm not afraid that at the end of this road of questions that I'm not going to be real. I know who mm-hmm. I am, Michelle. I can handle it. Mm-hmm. Come after me with everything you've got. Yeah. But you me with all of your heart. Right. Well, and I think that a lot of time that's why, like, or how we as the humans of the church have messed this up is because we are afraid that people are going to ask these questions and we won't have the answers. And the end result is going to be that they don't believe that there's a God, which I think is a fair fear, but you can't live there. You have to be the one that believes that God is big enough, that he is mighty enough, that his shoulders are big enough to handle this person's doubt, that you are not ultimately responsible for that. Yeah, absolutely. And if he can find you and me, he can find them wherever they are too. Let's let's pause just a minute at this whole idea of needing to have answers because this is really important too. Mm-hmm. Uh, at times we think we want answers, right? And so we're afraid we're going to ask a question that doesn't have an answer. And we are fearful that if we don't have an answer, that that diminishes the godness of God. Mm. However, if, if every question we have can be easily answered, is that a big enough God for us? Mm. Yeah. We want a God that is big enough to resolve all the things we don't understand, that can make right all the wrongs we've ever experienced, that is a God that is so vast, so wise, so beyond our understanding that we can be fully safe in his hands, right? We need a God that big. Mm-hmm. And yet we get mad at him when we can't always figure him out. So what do mm-hmm. we really, do we want the easy answers or do we want, you know, do we want the answers or do we want God himself? Which one do we want? Right. And I've finally had to land on, the truth is, is it frustrates me that I don't understand why God behaves the way he does. It mm-hmm. does. It frustrates me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it wounds me. At the same time, I am so glad he is beyond my my capacity to unravel him because that's what I need. Exactly. So for you personally, what, what does, what role does doubt play in your faith? I'm learning to let doubt be almost just like curiosity mm. uh, where I go doubt, you know, doubt is I don't understand. Okay. I, I want to stay curious about that. I don't have the answers. If somebody comes to me and presents a whole argument, and this happens, I have uh, people even in my extended family who don't know what they believe, and they have all kinds of reasons why they don't think they should believe in God. I'm like, yeah, that's, I'm not sure I know that either. 
But what about this? Learn to just keep asking questions. I don't need to supply the answer, but to create space of having dialogue to make it more about the relationship than the resolution. Mm-hmm. And I need to do it with God himself and I need to do it with the people around me who have their doubts and even with my own doubt. Uh, that doubt is actually, there's, I can, I'm trying to think of who said it. I can't remember if it was Charles Spurgeon or somebody else. Uh, and I, forgive me, but definitely not my credit. So, um, but one of the, <laughs> One of the people I quote in the book made the comment that doubt is the ants in the pants of faith. It keeps it moving. Oh my gosh, I love that. Isn't that good? Yeah. That ants in the pants of faith. Uh, what we need to remember, and this is what I'm remembering, is doubt should never be a place where we set up camp. So right. there is no glory in being lost in the woods at night alone. So mm-hmm. why stay there? There's no mm-hmm. glory there. So don't be comfortable. There is a bit of a trend that I notice online and social media where people think it's cool to doubt what they believe and they create a community around their doubt. Mm-hmm. That's not a problem if we're still moving, if, right. if doubt is still productive. If our doubt is just a fad and a means for popularity, then it's nothing but foolish. Right. And, and potentially dangerous, right? And dangerous. Yeah, I mean, foolish and dangerous all at the same time. So I view doubt as being there's times I feel like I'm lost in the dark in the woods and completely alone, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to keep moving. Do you think, now I'm just asking personal questions for like my own, (laughs) for myself. Do you think that there's a difference between doubt and curiosity? Well, I, I think part of it's just a reframing. Yeah, I mean, I doubt is a sense of I'm not sure I believe this or I'm not sure what I believe but Mm -hmm. I want to reframe it with a curiosity of Mm -hmm. uh, doubt is an assumption that I can land at a clear black and white answer curiosity means I'm just going to keep learning I love that yeah that's so good that we can reframe doubt into curiosity I want to be the kind of woman who is like God surprised me Mm. I can't figure you out. I don't understand all the things. I want to be the kind of woman that doesn't open my Bible thinking I have all the answers, but say, God, you are so far beyond me. I could read this thing a hundred times and still not get you. So support me. Teach me something. And that is is essentially the God that we serve. And so kind of like circling back to the beginning of the, the caveat is we, are we thinking that like our ability to have answers is more important than just pointing to a God that sometimes we don't have all the answers about? Yeah. I, you know, for me, I was putting so much value on the answers and I finally had to hit a place and I've hit this place a couple of times in my lifetime, but I finally had to hit a place where I said, and I did, I said this through tears in the dark at night while I was praying, God, I need you more than I need to understand. Mm. I finally recognized, I need the presence of God more than to understand all the purposes of God. I needed him. And that really is the gospel. I mean, let's come back to the gospel for a minute. The whole gospel narrative, the good news that the Bible claims to be offering is that God saw the trauma of the human experience. He saw the distance that we were. He saw how wrecked we were. And he said, I am not content to leave them alone. Mm-hmm. I want to be with them. And so from Genesis to Revelation, and Philip Yancey says that basically from Genesis 2 to Revelation 22, God is trying to get his family back. Hmm. 
Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. That is the beautiful. entire Bible narrative of, is of God getting closer and closer and closer to us until Jesus comes, the incarnation, which, you know, he's called Emmanuel, God with us. His entire name was about presence. Mm. It wasn't, he wasn't called the answer. He was called God with us because God knew ultimately what we needed more than understanding and answers was his presence. And that's that's what I talk about in Relentless is I don't know why bad things happen. I don't know why I've been dealt this hand that's full of pain and loss and trauma. However, I have discovered that God is with me. I see it. I live looking for evidence of it in scripture, but in my own life. And even in the moments where I felt completely abandoned and alone, I see hints of God's presence with me. And that's mm. what I'm choosing to. I mean, if I had a mic, I'd want you to drop it. Like, <laughs> so good. <laughs> for those who are listening, it's really easy for me to say, not easy, but you, know, you hear a 40 minute podcast talking about this and and what you don't know is there are years of knees on the floor face on the carpet crying out mm -hmm. so if you as a listener are there where you are flat faced and you have you're at the end I have been there many many times and I can tell you the only reason I'm able to stand here today and testify to the reality of God and my belief in his presence is because every time I was face on the floor he met me there I, I didn't always feel it. He didn't always take the pain away. Most times he didn't. But over and over again, through that pushing against the resistance of the human experience, I came to build, God built up some spiritual muscles in me and strengthened my faith against all odds. And so if you're there right now, whoever's listening, just know that he is reaching for you even when you can't reach for him. His presence is relentless, period. Glorious. Mm. I was going to ask you if what, you know, if you had the opportunity to just tell somebody what the heart of this is, what would it be? And you just did it without me even having to ask. And that was. Oh, it's like we're on the same wavelength, like, right? Isn't that I nice? Know. <laughs> so to close out my interviews, I do like rapid fire questions, just kind okay. of something fun and light. The first one is what is your Enneagram type? Oh, I am a two wing one. So oh. I'm a. Hardcore, reluctant too. I always wanted to be a different number, but two. But guess what? I'm a two. Isn't that so funny? There, that is so much more common than I think people think. We yeah. are it's, all like, this is what I am, but I kind of wish I was a blank. <laughs> yeah, and I always tell people I'm a two with a one wing, which means I want to help everyone all the time, and I have to do it perfectly or I'm not happy. And I want to do it perfectly. Right. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. That is a very interesting right? dichotomy right there. <laughs> What's your number? I'm an eight wing seven. Oh, nice. Do you know that most of my closest friends are either eight wing sevens or seven wing eights? Really? Yeah. See, if you lived closer, we'd be hanging out. Absolutely. I think that eights and then twos and nines gravitate to each other. Yeah, true. Some, some of my favorites are right. Twos and eights, nines are, yeah, they're my people. My, both of my best friends are nines. And then my other best friends are two. So, I mean, yeah. we just, we find each other. What is something that can always pull you out of a funk? Pull me out of a funk, sunshine. 
getting outside and being in the sun. I live in Colorado where it's sunny 300 days out of the year, which is perfect for me. But if I can go out and sit in the sun, just sit in the sun, feel the warmth, be outside, have fresh air almost every time. If I can go for a walk or something, it will, it will shake loose whatever funk has got me down. Yes, absolutely. And the last one is, what is the last thing you watched on TV? Oh, football. That's such an easy answer. I am not a big TV watcher, but I'm a huge sports fan. So I watch Major League Baseball and NFL football. And yep, I watched the game last night. It was uh, Sunday night football. And yeah, I I mean, that would be the other thing that gets me out of a funk is watching a football game. Unless my team is I I love me some football too. So it's my favorite. I love it. (laughs) Well, Michelle, thank you so much. This interview is so packed with incredible wisdom and insight that my hand hurts a little bit from taking notes. Um, (laughs) But I'm so thankful. Yes. Thank you so much for taking the time. It was my pleasure, my honor. I love having these kind of good conversations. And thank you for making space for them on your podcast. It makes a difference. Yes. Tell people where they can find and follow you and keep up. All right. The best way to find me is at my website, which is michellecachette.com, M-I-C-H-E-L-E-C-H-A-T-T, C-U-S-H-A-T-T.com. That's just like my home base. But if you want to keep up with me on a daily basis, like all the shenanigans that me and my family get into, uh, you can find me on Instagram. And my handle is just michellecachette. Perfect. Thank you, Michelle. Hey, I have an idea. You want to yeah. do something fun? Yeah. Let's let's do a giveaway. Let's give okay. away a copy or two of the book to your audience. I would love to do that. Okay, I will provide the books. You can figure out how you give it away, but I will provide so that way you can give them away to your audience. Perfect. Y'all jump over to Instagram, the girl named Blake, and we will be doing a giveaway of Michelle's book. All right. Yay, perfect. <laughs> All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right, see you next week.